You are listening to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beej, the advancing journeyman developer. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. If you have any ambition for a better life, you'll work hard. And if you work hard enough for long enough, you'll eventually experience one or more of the symptoms of burnout. Burnout is a nasty and insidious process. It can sap your ability to push through challenges and ultimately cause you to fail if not dealt with quickly. Unfortunately, most of us aren't taught how to recover from burnout. We tend to learn it the hard way through experience. We're going to talk about how to recognize burnout and we'll discuss what you can do to recover from it. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, I'm uh, back to work after 11 days of rest and recovery. Uh Uh-huh. How many of those days did you not work? Like at all? Um, I didn't work the Friday before Christmas. Um, I don't think I... No, I did work some on Christmas Eve. Um, (laughs) I didn't do any coding or any work or anything Christmas Day. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, I didn't work at my normal level, so it wasn't like 12-hour days or you know, anything like that. It was, it was more like, Hey, you know, five hours, six hours, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, that, that was, uh, that was the main thing. Like I said, I still worked on a bunch of stuff during the break, but, um, with the lower hour workload, I was able to kind of think more about what I want this next year to look like and, you know, kind of start taking care of some things. Like I actually, um, started working on a personal site, just kind of like a portfolio and that, that kind of stuff. Cause I've never had one. I'm like, that's kind of stupid. I don't know why I don't have that. So I started putting that together in Hexo and playing with all the templates and, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, been pretty relaxing. I'm back at work. Work has been fairly challenging since the beginning of the year. Uh, there's been a lot going on because there's all the stuff that, you know, as you get towards the tail end of the year, you put off because you're going to have a break coming yeah. and clients are putting off buying stuff or, you know, what what have you until after the first of the year and, and all that kind of stuff. So everything hits all at once. And then um, a couple members of upper management went on vacation. Nice. Um, right at the same time, which was well well played on their part, honestly. <laughs> so I've, I've been dealing with some of that too, because I've got a lot of people that kind of turn to me uh, for various things when that happens. And, and so I've been doing that and my regular job, which is why we're late starting tonight is because I, you know, things were on fire. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. That happens. Speaking of being on fire, I had an explosive weekend. I went to watch the implosion of the Draper Tower, or more commonly known as the Lifeway Building here in Nashville. That was kind of exciting as I've only ever seen that on screen. So watching it live was really cool. Unlike you, I worked over the holidays. Well, I, I didn't take any time off except for the day that I was too sick to even get out of bed. And that was the day after I flew home sick. So it was miserable time on a plane and then a miserable next day laying in bed. Uh, Don't travel when you're sick. If you can avoid it, it was not fun. Yeah. See, I had that, I had an ear infection the Friday night before Christmas. And so 
Saturday before Christmas, I had to go to a doc in the box and, and, you know, get looked at and they, you know, they look in your throat and then they look in your right ear and my left ear was just hurting. It felt yeah. like somebody was just twisting inside of it. And he looked there and goes, and there's the infection. Yep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was just like, no doubt. He goes, you need to deal with this right now or it's going to pop. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So yeah, I get you, man. I also understand the the frustrations with the work. I've been dealing with some size limitations on file uploads and downloads. It's uh, not a fun thing, but I tracked it to the service that we're using. So at this point, it's out of my hands. Somebody did, else's problem. Did you did you send them a uh, bug report in Yoda's voice? Because that's what I would judge files by their size. Do you? Oh. <laughs> um. So since we're talking about burnout, I've got something hot rod related for IOTs. So this week for IOTs, I have an online course called Hack Rod, Hot Rodding for the 21st Century. And on the, the website, it defines HackRod as an infinitely hackable high-performance vehicle made possible by advanced manufacturing, digital design, and crowd collaboration. The Hot Rod for the 21st Century. Mickey McManus, chairman of Maya Design and a research fellow at Autodesk, gives a two-hour talk about combining IoT with machine learning and digital manufacturing by looking at an industry that's kind of, as he says, already been disrupted, the automotive industry. It's a really interesting talk because I've talked to my uncle who rebuilds 1970s Corvettes about some of the things that they're now putting into cars and kind of some of the ways that Internet of Things could apply to cars these days. For what they did here, the research project they started with people like my uncle that are fans of cars and build their own hot rods. And the research looks into how what is being built is transitioning from, quote, dead to alive in that they can now sense their own surroundings and even create new iterations based on the data collected. They even get into some interesting medical tech, looking at EEGs of people as they're driving and racing to see where the stress points are located. The video finishes with a panel on the future of manufacturing. It's kind of interesting. It's it's a two-hour watch, but it's a really interesting two hours. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Who's talking to us this week? Yeah, so we grabbed a comment from Scott P. on Slack. So just checking in, long-time listener, first-time commenter, I think. Getting caught up on the podcast, and it's great. Thank you for doing what you guys do, Beej and Will. Keeps me motivated to try to learn new things and work on projects. Scott, thanks for the compliment. Glad you've become part of our community on Slack. And we had a whole conversation with him, not only just us, but the rest of the community. Send us an email at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com with your contact information, because we've got a Complete Developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own Complete Developer water bottle, leave us a review on iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google+. We're also on Path and Tumblr and Instagram if we ever get around to putting stuff up on Instagram. 
Well, we, we, might, we should we should do that tonight. We right should put now. like one picture on there just so we can say we have a picture on Instagram. Yeah, we we for the we next really like should. fifteen episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do that at the end of the night. Also, check us out on Facebook and Twitter Live every Monday evening. We talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer some listener questions. You can join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. So burnout is defined as a physical or mental collapse caused by overwork or stress. And that's from the Oxford Dictionary. It typically occurs when you've been overworked or overstressed for an extended period of time and have reached a breaking point. Burnout does not happen in a day and cannot be recovered from in a day. It's a plague on the software industry because of our tendency to work too much with too few breaks and inadequate time to step away from the computer and just live. We're going to talk about some of the symptoms of burnout first and then explain how to approach getting out of it. We're also going to discuss our own experiences around burnout and recovery, as Will and I have both sort of a work ethic that tends to create it over time. Yeah. In other words, we really push too hard. So we're going to start off by listing some of the symptoms of burnout. And Will got this from mindtools.com, which we'll have a link to that in the show notes. The first one is feeling negative every day. Yeah, and this often gets interpreted as depression. Of course, yeah. I mean, it can lead to depression. It can be part of the symptoms mm-hmm. of depression. Burnout can lead to depression. Uh, the other direction is also true. Uh, right. These things are kind of overlapping. They, they really are. And, and the thing with depression, and this comes from both experience with it and a degree in psychology, there are a lot of things or a lot of the symptoms of depression that cross over with other things. Yeah. Like anxiety and some adjustment disorders, some other, like even non-mood disorders that people may face. And sometimes you can have symptoms of depression and not be depressed. A lot of times that may mean that you are burnt out and burnout can present itself as depression. Yes. I've definitely experienced this more than once in my career where I was like, man, I'm depressed you know, all the time. And it's, it's like, no, you're working 80 hours a week. Like you're yeah. depressed because you're correctly evaluating your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. We talked about this some when I was in medical school because it does come across as depression when really, you know, you're you're working more than eighty hours a week. Yeah, and I don't even know where where exactly the line is for me. I think it's somewhere north of sixty is yeah. when it really starts nailing me, but it'll get me by eighty. So is it eighty at one particular <clears throat> thing? Or is it 80 mixed between different things? Uh, it was 80 at one particular thing um, in that particular case. I used the word particular too many times. And it was that was not inclusive of driving in. So it was mm-hmm. almost an hour drive one way um, and, you know, 14-hour days. So it was 90 hours. Yeah. And, you know, eating uh, gas station food at well, lunch. You're, you're not eating healthy. You're not getting... You're eating ex- one meal a day at the gas station. Yeah. And you're not getting exercise. You're not doing the things that make you feel healthy and happy. Right. Yeah. I I understand that. I've, I've been there. Not from a job, but from school in a couple of different places. There was one point in time where I was in grad school going to school full time and working 40 hours a week. Yep. Um, you remember that? Yeah. Strangely enough, I was actually happier then. Yeah. It was it was right on the tail end of the downturn after a bad breakup. 
And yeah. that was like what, what I needed to get me refocused on like the positives in life because I didn't have time to sit around and think about the bad things. Yeah. And sometimes overwork can be really handy for that. Yeah. And that's not what we're talking about here though. And so the next one is when you remain exhausted much of the time, even when you get enough sleep, and this can be a sign of burnout or early depression, just like feeling negative every day, or could indicate a medical issue that are messing with your sleep. Yeah. For instance, um, uh, sleep apnea can do this to you. You know, you could have you know, some kind of blockage where you're not breathing well at night and you're getting 10 hours of sleep, but it's not quality right. sleep. I also say that, you know, in addition to, you know, the possible physical things, you know, the, and it being a sign of early burnout or depression, um, it's also important to pay attention to dreams when you're, when you're starting to feel this way, um, if you have any, because a lot of times the things that you're, that are kind of your background threads in your mind are, are going to come out when you're sleeping. And, you know, I, I experienced some of this over Christmas break and I don't want to get into that too much, but there's some problems with an individual in my family that have just continued to get a little bit worse every year. And I had several really strange dreams involving that person. So I'll, you know, stuff will come out that you don't expect. Yeah. You also feel little joy or interest in daily matters. There's actually a term for this. It is called anhedonia. Mm -hmm. It's the opposite of hedonism, hedonism, basically. Or hedonia, I guess, technically. <laughs> um, hedonia sounds like it would be like this tiny country in a fantasy world. Well, you know, I just watched the uh, the Jason Momoa version of Conan, and hedonia sounds like it would be something there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know? And he trod the sands of hedonia beneath his sandaled feet. Exactly, you know, that's exactly, that sounds like a Conan <laughs> the Barbarian thing. Yep. No, um, so what's interesting is... At my graduate practicum, I was the only master's level student there. It was me and a bunch of PhD candidates. And so I was lucky to be there. And we're sitting in the professor's office after having interviewed a patient. And we're like, they're taking the, the psychological tests. And we go back to his office and we're reviewing what we did. And so he's going through and asking some questions. This is my very first day there. He says, he's like, he describes this feeling little joy or interest in daily activities, even things that you enjoyed before. And he's like, what, what's the term for that? And he looks around and nobody answers. And I was like, am I supposed to answer? It's like, that's anhedonia. And he looks at me and he looks at his PhD candidates and he's like, you all should feel very ashamed. <laughs> Because the master student knew something y'all didn't know. Fair and enough. that just set the tone. I mean, it wasn't a bad tone because we, we all got along, but it just sort of set the tone where it was just like, yeah, I, I'm, I worked really hard to get into that practicum. So yeah. another sign or symptom of burnout is that you're constantly feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. And, and overwhelm is a tricky one because a lot of people think that that feels like you're getting crushed. In other words, I can't I can't deal with life. I'm a, I've got too much on me, and sometimes it manifests that way. But another way that it manifests is never being able to sit still. Always got something you have to do, and that tends to be the overwhelm thing that actually drives you into burnout. Like you're already there if you're broken down mentally. Yeah, and, well, I'll be honest. I've been feeling kind of overwhelmed this past sprint, and today we got permission to take that story. And, and set it aside because it's out of our control 
So it's like, all right, we we will not fail the sprint because of that story, because it is something that is out of our ability to fix. And that just like, I, I told my team, I'm like, I've been feeling really stressed and really overwhelmed because of that, because it's out of my purview. I've been like pestering the person working on it because I'm like, is there anything I can do to help? What do you need? Because that is my fear that that is not going to get fixed. In yeah. Time. And your reaction wasn't to be crushed. Yeah. It was, it was something else. It's like this frantic energy. Right. Um, yeah. Another, another example of like what, what being crushed is like is, is kind of how I was from, I guess, late August last year up until mid October, you know, I had that hernia and I had a, had a ton of work on my plate. And I remember, you know, I remember standing in the bedroom with my wife and sneezing and it put me on the floor from pain from that hernia. I remember when you told me about that. Yeah. And and I remember just, I remember telling her, I was just like, I feel like I'm crippled. Like I just, I have nothing left. You know, every time I try to stand up, it's going to knock me down. And that's, that's kind of the symptom of burnout that is already metastasized, mm-hmm. which is pretty much where I was at that point in the year, if yeah. you remember. I, I do. I remember that. Uh, another thing that happens as you approach burnout or you, you are in burnout is a constant attempt to escape. Um, this can be, by substance abuse or other behavior, we kind of each have our own. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be substance abuse. Like most people think when when they think of addictive behavior and things like that, it's it, it sometimes is an attempt to escape. Sometimes it is an attempt to feel normal. Yeah, again, which is in a way a, a, an attempt to escape the burnout feeling. But um, it can be drinking too much. It, I mean, and this doesn't even mean that. You know, you're drunk. There is a thing known as uh, functional alcoholism, right? Where you are sober during the day, and, and you drink you, at night to go to sleep, right? Yeah, um, and yeah, you, know, you could also be uh, abusing illegal drugs, legal drugs. But you know, that's kind of obvious. You're going to have, hopefully, you're going to have people in your life that notice that, and you're going to yeah. know that. Other things that you may not realize and that may be a little bit insidious are things like playing video games. Yeah. And that, that tends to be one of my burnout behaviors yeah. is I'll sit and play video games a lot. No, your, your burnout behavior when I'm okay. When I'm really burnout, <laughs> you sit and watch other people play video games Yeah, and learn how to do <laughs> do things. And then Cause I'll get, yeah. I'll get messages from you, dude, check out this YouTube video of this guy playing this like really boring game. Yeah. <laughs> that is one of my behaviors or um you know watching a lot of tv will do yeah. the same thing i mean tv is that's you know, one of mine yeah is is and because i use it to for me tv is a great way to relax i'll spend all day working and then i'll watch an hour or two of tv just to kind of let my mind like drift off yeah and then i'll get back up and go focus on something else but when I'm burnt out, you don't get back up. Right. That said, there are certain things like when I was going through the divorce and I was at some of the worst times, like, you know, the the most depressed, watching TV helped. It was something that I could it, I could escape that constant feeling for a little while. And then when I came back, that feeling wasn't as heavy. I mean, it serves a purpose, right? It does. Like all these it, behaviors are coping mechanisms. It's like the sleep thing. I mean, I know lots of people that are, are not even really sleep, but they just kind of lay around in bed, mm-hmm. you know, with the lights off, and they're, you know, that's how they escape. 
people do a whole bunch of different things. I had a college roommate that would just go out and drive. I remember that. <laughs> you know, which which is fine, except for like it's a Wednesday night and you get a and you hadn't seen him in a day or two. It's like, oh, it's a roommate, you know, I don't know where he is. And then you get a call from his mother, she doesn't know where he is, and you find out that, oh yeah, he drove to St. Louis. He was on the way to the grocery store in Nashville and just said, I've never been to St. Louis. I think I'll go. Mid semester just goes. Yeah, it it can uh it can really be interesting how everybody does it because it's it's their life experiences has shown them how to cope. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating because I always thought it would be interesting to do something like that. But I'm like, even back then, I was too much of a planner. Yeah. And I'm like, I have to have it planned out. Like, I want you the remember perfect when we, route, the restaurants, I need to know where the, where the good bars are. I need yeah. to know where the hotels are, where I'm not going to get mugged in the parking lot. I need to know the times that the place is going to open. So yeah, it would, it would never work for either of us because of the way we do things. But there's other <laughs> even, people that- Even at my most scatterbrained, which was- probably late high school, early college. Yeah. I was still too much like that to ever just up and drive to St. Louis. Now I might up and drive to my parents' house. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out. I'm upset about something. I'm just going to drive up to their house. Cause I driving helped. And it's just, that was, I remember when he did that. Cause yeah, that was, <laughs> I, and I was just not ready for that at all. And that, I mean, it's a very strange thing. Um, It was, it was the drive back. Cause we used to do, take martial arts classes on Wednesday nights together yeah. back then. And it was on the drive back from class that you got the call. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people around you don't know what to do with that. Um, another thing that will come out with this, uh, with the behavior, and this is one you see, I think, honestly, a lot more than you think you do. And that is people getting wound up in other people's drama um, because their own life stinks. And they, it's like, well, I can help this person over here. And half the time they don't really help. They just jump in and make a mess. But, but you and I both know quite a few uh, personalities that tend to do that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I've struggled with this as well as far as like, you know, not taking care of my own stuff and jumping in to help other people when I don't have my stuff together Oh, and I'm burnt we, out. We've both done that. Oh, yeah. Too often. We've it's both just done that at the same time to the same people. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's just, it's it's the nature of who we are. Another symptom is that you begin to feel physical symptoms that indicate things aren't exactly right. These are often without any underlying medical cause. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, my stress level personally will hit me uh, pretty quickly with physical symptoms. Um, I, you know, I grind my teeth, uh, my skin will break out. You know, I have eczema, which I've had most of this winter. Um, it started back in mm-hmm. August. Uh, the other thing I'll get is, is bad headaches. You know, it, it, it just does. It, it comes out in weird ways in your bodily health. And I think yours comes out in your stomach. Yeah, I was gonna say mine. Mine really does come out in my stomach. It's that's growing up. I always carried my stress in my shoulders. Yeah. And then when I got to my twenties, when I started having a lot of stomach issues, I was in grad school. I was working too much, gone through a really bad breakup, and it just like everything added up. And now all of my stress goes there. Whenever I get stressed out, I get sick to my stomach. Um, thankfully, I've got medication that kind of helps with the symptoms of that, but I usually have to deal with the stress to really make it. Or it comes back. Right. So another thing that can begin to happen as you get burnout and after you get burnout is that you lose patience with everyone. And you and I both do this. I was about to say, I have never had this happen ever in my yesterday. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, I think you were okay yesterday. (laughs) We didn't talk. (laughs) Um, that's not really a thing that 
you know, I, I will say that's that's a thing that we both struggle with, and you find yourself uh, attributing stuff to malice that can be explained by stupidity or lack of attention or hey, you know, that's just your opinion, man. Um, It it can be more of a clue about your own state than the other person when you're getting really wound up. And it's it's not like people doing things to you, but stuff like, you know, somebody's passing too slow in traffic. Like they're passing, but they're not moving quick enough and getting just really cranked about that. I got, I guess, a little carried away, a little frustrated the other day with with someone. And it was after the stand-up, we were having a conversation and it – it was, we had an important thing to talk about, but they were bringing up irrelevant things. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. So I kind of shut them down. And I didn't think anything of it because I'm like, all right, they, they recognized, hey, uh, you know, this is not an important thing to talk about. This isn't, you know. Don't top the whole team with it. Right. And so after the standup, our scrub master came to me and was talking and said, you know, hey, you kind of shut this person down and it was kind of rude. I understand you're stressed. And when you get stressed, you tend to, your happy-go-lucky attitude goes away. And I'm like, yeah. And we, we had a back and forth and she said some things that got me frustrated, but she was really good about, look, I know you're going to want to talk more about this because that's how you cope and deal with things as you talk them out. You and I, neither one have time for that. Go listen to some Lindsey Sterling, calm down, and then get back to work. Well, at least they know you well enough. Yeah. And, and my response, it was about 30 minutes later, my response was, wow, that was really good. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, you know, like you get like you get less chipper and friendly when you get burnout. I tend to get more likely to pull pranks on people. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know you know. <laughs> so, um, right before Christmas break, we went to Costco, and by we, I mean me, um, and I got a uh, thing of post-it notes. It was enough by my calculations to cover 22,000 square inches, and we covered somebody's cube. <laughs> <laughs> so, I got the entire company involved, too. Like, we got, we're in there, and we're doing this, right? And- Two of the owners walk in and we get busted. And we're like, oh, we're busted. And they look at what we're doing. Are you doing that to Sean? Yeah. And they just pick up note, post it, <laughs> and start working with us. And we're like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so he said, you know, he got, he got back from like his vacation and he's like, I'm here 30 minutes early. I got to get a pot of coffee. I can get going. He goes to his, and the, the other guys that were there were, were there before he you know, got there. And he, they said they heard him walk into his cube and go, oh, man. <laughs> so anyway, that's I tend to prank a little bit more. Maybe maybe I should start doing that. I don't know. I don't I don't think it would like yeah. it would help me because I it's just it's I'm normally like hyper chipper, you know, super talkative friendly, and then all of a sudden I'm like Yeah. Like Sasquatch just sat on a pine cone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> including the hair. <laughs> so the reason we bring these symptoms up is because they're a lot more dangerous than you might expect. Um, in fact, the, the whole burnout uh, cluster of symptoms is a lot of the reason why caregivers die before the people they're taking care of in a lot right. of cases, or they die shortly after. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a little bit of 
the burnout from that. And then there's a little bit of the, what do I do now with yeah. that too? And the relief grief right. is another thing that gets them. Mm-hmm. And survivor skill. There's a lot of, yeah. a lot of things around that. So there's several behaviors and situations that tend to drive us to burnout. Most obvious is working too much, especially on tasks that seem never ending. And we're not talking about like the never ending story with, you know, Falcor and riding the luck dragon. Cause that would be so freaking awesome. <laughs> the never ending sprint planning. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in those. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I guess it can have the never ending story theme song. You can just <laughs> right there, you know, you know, 80 hour work weeks are not sustainable. Yeah, at least not for very long. Um, I worked for a company here locally that they bragged that they had to write up employees, um, several employees, because they worked more than 96 hours in a week. That was their cutoff. That's just too much. 95 is fine. But 96, oh boy, you're getting rid up. Like, really? Um, Needless to say, I got really burnt out. Now, I was hourly, and I made a crap ton of money. (laughs) But when I was done from there, I was not. It it took me a while to recover. (laughs) Put it that way. No. Others could be stressors in personal life that make it so that going home doesn't really give you a break. Yeah. A big one, um, one I see a lot is guys who, you know, they've started a family and either they, they, uh, they get married and so they're going home and they, they don't really, how can I put this delicately? They don't have very good boundaries with their wife as far as what's, what's okay and what's not. And so they walk in the door and she's just on them immediately and it's i also see this with women with their husbands but it's most of the women i know seem a little bit better about going hey like dude quit they have better better Mm. boundary setting abilities right guys do and it might be because this industry does attract a certain type of guy and a lot of them just feel lucky to have Someone to come home to. Right. And so they don't set good boundaries. Another thing I see is where they've, you know, they and their wife have had a, a, a kid or two. Yeah. And especially like if the wife is a stay at home mom, um, and, and you and I know several people like this in particular, where the guy will work all day and he comes home and, you know, the mom has put the kids in daycare part of the day. And the guy gets home and the wife hands him the baby and he goes, watch his TV. When you got that at home, Home is now no longer relaxing. Like you, it's not a it's not a break from work, and and that will give you a lot of burnout. Well, I, I will quick. say, I mean, that's there. There's a difference between that and a you know someone who a, a wife who has worked all day. She right. got off. You know, depending on what time you get off, who gets off earlier? And she picked up the kid, and yeah, yeah. or someone who <clears> is <throat> maybe a stay at home mom been with the baby all day, been cleaning and doing all sorts of stuff. And it's like, hey, I've got a chance to sit down because you can watch the kid for an hour. Yeah. And that that's that is a different thing. Yeah. But the big thing is is you've got to work out some way to make it so that home remains relaxing. Home has got to be a refuge because if it isn't, something else will have to be. Right. Or you'll crack. Also, missing out on important parts of your personal life due to work and other obligations can lead to burnout. I know I've already mentioned it. When I was in grad school, I worked full time. And then there was one semester that I also took a full load of classes. And you remember this. Mm-hmm. I planned everything out so that I could go to our martial arts classes so that I could. Yeah, I remember out. that. It's like, okay, I want to eat chicken wings in three weeks. <laughs> Yes. Can you put that on your calendar? (laughs) 
<laughs> man, that was that was rough. It was only, I mean, it was only three months. Yeah, that, but I, that, but I do remember that. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I and and I did. I planned things out. It's, even to this day, I still think of my planning in semesters. You know, I, I think of fall, spring, and summer. Yeah, when I'm planning. And I still have a little bit of that, and it. It does. It just becomes part of you. Another thing that will come up is an inability, real or imagined, to take a real break without taking work with you. And this is kind of that workaholism type thing. And it happens to entrepreneurs and senior developers at small companies a lot. Like if you've got a lot of people relying on you, you feel like if you step away, that things are going to go sideways. You know, it can happen to junior and mid-level developers too if you are sort of the workhorse. Yeah. You know, um, our junior developers are kind of, because we don't have mid-level. So we're the workhorses. Yeah. And the seniors are planning everything and maybe doing like infrastructure things or like big cross-cutting things. Yeah. And you guys are doing all the apps, all the front-facing stuff. And yeah, it can it can hit you like that. Um, that's why, you know, that's part of the reason why I worked some over Christmas break. The other thing is, is I don't, I don't like sitting still for very long. That's not mm-hmm. really, that's not in my nature. Yeah, I, I understand that. That's also why I didn't take off over Christmas break. I, I actually got to work on some of the infrastructure things, yeah. which was really cool. The only reason I took off was because I had days that would go away. Yeah. Other things that could lead to burnout include major life-changing events, such as the birth of a child, getting married, Death of a parent or spouse, the end of a relationship. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be from death, but you could you could be in a long-term relationship that breaks up. You could be married and get divorced. I went through that while in medical school. Yeah. Already kind of in the burnout. Yeah. And I remember staying burnout for, I don't know, probably the first three or four years of my daughter's life because it felt like you're you're getting up early. You're taking her to daycare, then you go to work all day. Half the time, you're having to pick her up from daycare. So you're having to leave work early, go get her, take her home, deal with her, try to finish up your work. And, you know, especially with a smaller kid where they're getting up all the time, like you're either dealing with an interruption or you're sitting there awaiting one because you can't ever focus. And so I spent several years just really in a state of burnout, like looking back on it. Mm -hmm. it's, It's very obvious, like that's what that was. And that's why I was miserable for a lot of that time. Right. For me, it led to the change of my life. Like my entire life planning path changed because I ended up leaving medical school, moving back to Tennessee, getting back into development. And honestly, I'm happier now than I would have been had I finished. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure of that. I've, I have no doubts about that. Um, and the way I like to think about this is, Think of your stress level as kind of being a little bit like a bank account, you know, because you can you can handle uh, a little bit more spending sometimes. It's just when it becomes a constant thing that it eats away your reserves and you can't recover. Now, you could also have a big event that just completely wipes you out, but it tends to be most people tend to get into massive debt because of a series of, of things. So let's talk about some of the warning signs of impending burnout. And we'll do this fairly quick because we kind of went over a lot of that earlier. Um, But the first is an increasing sense of resentment towards others. Um, Another one is a feeling like you're losing control over more and more of your life. And that's why you'll feel that resentment. It's like, hey, it's not just I'm losing control over my life, but that person's taking it. Right. 
or those people are taking it. And this can lead to a desire to escape using sleeping, shopping, or possibly mind-altering substances, including caffeine and alcohol. Yeah, because my caffeine intake goes through the roof when I get burnt out. So I got really good at controlling my caffeine intake when I was in medical school, because you have to. Right. Um, to where now I only drink one small pot and by most people would call it one cup. Like when I fill the pot up, it fills one large mug okay. of coffee a day. Something that I'm doing this year, working towards my goal of dropping another pant size, is I've decided to cut back the amount of beer that I drink and just alcohol in general. Yep. So normally I'll have a couple of beers here. I'll go out one or two times during the week and have a few. Three. <laughs> It's a a baker's couple. It's a, okay. (laughs) No, I've decided to, to cut back to where I only drink one six pack a week. Cause whereas before I would, it it was all social, Yeah, but I would drink a couple of beers over here. I drink a couple of beers at trivia. I drink a couple of beers over the weekend and that would end up being about a six pack and a half or two six packs. So I'm like, all right, if I can cut it back to one, because the other thing I noticed is when I do get stressed out at the end of the day, I'll go grab a beer and sit and watch TV and have a beer Yep. to relax. I'm like, I don't want to associate the only way to relax when I'm stressed is through alcohol. Right. Because that, that way will not go anywhere good. Right. And But it will get there quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very <clears throat> true. Also, perseveration over minor events during the day that normally wouldn't bother you. And I'm really guilty of this. Yeah. When I get stressed out, it's, it's the minor things. Now I have built into my life certain outlets so that it reduces the damage. Yeah. And one of the major outlets is Google Hangouts and you. Yep. (laughs) Well, you also a, you do the same thing with me because I'll get like like I'll I'll get I'll I'll rant to you but you'll also rant to me about yeah. things. And it's good to have that. But yeah. you know the thing is it's it's one thing to have a rant and get it off your chest. It's another thing when like 2 days later you're still like that punk to blah, 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 you know and you're still wound up over something minor. Now if it's something major that's totally different, but if it's if it's right. something you normally would not get wound up about and now you are, you need to examine why. Right. And like I said, this is why I have these things built into my life where I'll just, I will vent to you because I'm the type of person that once I get it off my chest, I'll forget about it. Like I'll get mad at somebody and I'll vent about it. And then like, yeah, a day later, you don't like, I remember, oh, this was years and years ago. It, it was probably about a couple of years after my sister got married. So it was before my, I went to med school. Okay. But um, apparently, the last time my sister and her husband had been up from Florida, we'd gotten into some argument. And then that Christmas, I completely forgot, and I didn't even remember we'd had an argument. That Christmas, they come up, and I I had gotten them, like, uh, they weren't there to go in a family tradition of ours is going and picking out uh, ornament each year. I had gone with my parents, I'd picked out ornaments for them. And, you know, and like my brother-in-law and I, we had like this long conversation. And I just remember 
after Christmas, my dad saying, I'm really proud of you. You, you know, you know, you, you really showed some maturity there and stuff like you that. You turned like, that around. Turn what around? I'm like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? He's like, the last time they were up here, you guys got into a really big argument. And like, I'm like, I don't even remember that. Yeah. Like once gotta, you get it off your chest, you don't have it anymore. Yeah. It's, it's gone. And my baby sister is the same way. Yeah. I can see that. She, she will, she'll blow up and then she forgets about it. Yep. And yeah. my mom and I are both the same way. Yeah. My dad and my sister, on the other hand, hold grudges. Yeah. My, my forever. My mom and my other sister are that way. Yep. They will remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had a few interactions with that. Um, another one that will happen is inability to disconnect from work or from whatever your source of stress is. In other words, you can't get away and you won't let yourself get away. And we discussed this with the whole workaholism thing. Um, something else that will happen is a constant sinking feeling that you're getting behind and that there's no way that you can catch up. You know, that's the beginning of going from, okay, I'm overloaded to I'm starting to get crushed under the load. Right. Uh, another is insomnia and also impaired concentration or attention. This could be from the lack of sleep, but it could also be from the stress, even if you're getting enough sleep. Or from the substance abuse. Right. Right. Um, cynicism and detachment. Yeah. When you get to the point where you don't care, uh, you know, about the things you're doing that, you know, that's a sign. These are, these are kind of all feedback mechanisms to go, Hey dude, you're screwing up. Right. Though I, I will say sometimes I look at people and I'm like, I wish I could be as detached. Yeah. Well, sometimes detachment is, is intelligent, right? Like there's a difference between being detached to the point that you don't care about something and not lusting for results. If that yeah. makes sense, it's not like you're you're not like hanging everything else off of it. It's like okay, I'm I'm doing this, and I'd like it go, to go this way, but I'm not gonna get wound, you know get upset if it doesn't. Right. A few more are degraded immune response, much quicker temper, and isolation, and diminished desire to help others. Yeah, and I think honestly, some of the things that we're seeing in our country right now are signs of almost a collective burnout. You know, in a lot of ways, you got a lot of people that are just kind of getting crushed. And if you notice, there's a lot of people that don't seem to have a whole lot of sympathy. Mm -hmm. And those two sets intersect a lot more than you think. So now we're going to get into some ways to recover from burnout. We're going to start by how to recover in the short term. First, take a break of several days and assess the situation after you've had some time off and some time to sleep, really. Yeah. It's amazing how much perspective a good night's sleep puts on a lot of things. What about a foul, wicked night? <laughs> After raiding and pillaging. <laughs> Sorry. You want, you want to fix the things that may throw off your assessment of the situation before you start making plans. In other words, you don't want to start making decisions when you're ticked off because right. this tends to be a, a big thing or you're really depressed and you're like, oh, I can't stand this relationship. I got to get out. You know, okay, you had four hours of sleep last night. You had three hours a night before. Maybe you're not completely rational right now and you need to calm that down and then figure out what the actual root causes are. Right. Or, you know, you're really close to a, a release and you've been working a lot of extra and it's just been really stressful and QA has been finding a lot of just nitpicky, annoying things that... Normally don't matter, but because you're about to release the product, they're big deals and you have to go in there and 
do all these major things to fix a minor little typo. Yeah. And it's stressing you out and you're like, you know what? Screw this. I can do better somewhere else. <laughs> I could be a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> I've had that one once or twice where I'm like, you know, it'd be nice to just know that the crap all goes in one direction. <laughs> Downhill. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, I remember having that thought and I'm like, wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you need to get some perspective on it, but you do want to decide to fix things when they still hurt a little, but you're away from the worst of it. Yeah. So it's like if you if you go on vacation and there's still stuff that's that's frustrating you, you know, you don't want to go, okay, I'm gonna take like a three month vacation and think how to solve it at the end when you're just completely detached from it. Because it's like, look, this stuff hurts. Like Pain is a signal. This is more of a take a long weekend. Yeah. You know, take Friday or Monday off and go out of town. You know, if your family lives away, go visit family, get friends that you know, live far away. Maybe take a long weekend and go visit them, hang out, just have some fun and then come back. And if when you come back rested, relaxed, it's still an issue then you know you need to deal with it. If you come back and, hey, you know, this really isn't that big a deal. It's something that, you know, in a couple of months is going to go away. I can deal with it for a couple more months. Yeah. Then you got the perspective you needed and keep on going. Yeah. And I tend to compress this by going into the isolation tank. Right. Um, and, and actually meditating in there because whatever, like, I, and I do like the two, like it's 90 minute sessions, but if you buy two of them, you get the middle, like the 30 minutes when they normally clean, you get that too. And so you're in there for like three and a half hours and you're doing your meditative breathing and all that. And about an hour in, if I'm still thinking about something like that's the thing I got to fix when I get out, because now that's, it's like, okay, this is overwhelming to the point where, okay, I'm in a lightless, you know, void where there's no noise. There's no other stuff, your brain in a vat, and you can't unhook from that thing, whatever yeah. that is. It's like, that's got to go. Um, now, granted, that's not a great adaptation, right? You should be doing, hey, get away from everything for a weekend and actually take a break. But it works on the short term. Right. A few other things you can do are fix your sleep, fix your diet, start exercising more regularly. These are just basic get yourself in a better position things. Right. And it's, it's also that, that little bit of self-maintenance is also a bit of a reprioritization. Right. Because what you want to do is remove as many major stressors as you can. And the ones that you can't remove, get help with. If it's something like taking care of a sick relative, you right. may need to call another relative, another family member and say, hey, can you take care of this person for a while? Or can yeah. you help me out? Or get hired help to do it. Or right. Something. And the point of the short-term fixes is not really to actually uh, try and spot patch the problem, but it's mainly to give you space to operate so that you can fix it on the longer term. And it's also, you know, like, for instance, the fixing the sleep, fixing the diet, exercising regularly, that will keep you from getting sick, getting injured, those sort of things that can pile more stuff on when you're already overloaded. Mm -hmm. Because the big thing here is just trying to avoid a major break. Burnout recovery, it's not going to be quick. So while there's things you can do in the short term to help and put things in perspective, you know, if the burnout has been particularly severe, it can't be recovered from even with a vacation of a couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, at that point, if it's really bad, 
you know, like for instance, the place I worked 80 hours a week, you know, it was probably a, I don't know, it was a month and a half of just, you know, I wasn't looking for work. I did some like small programming projects and just really stepped back. And I had to do that because if I had gone back to a, you know, 50 plus hour a week job, I would have gone crazy. Yeah. You know, even mean, though the immediate cause was gone. Yeah. I, I, I completely get that because that sounds miserable to me. Yeah. I'm like. And I had extra money because I've been working basically two weeks every week. Yeah. So you were able to afford that. And I, I don't blame you for that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, given that situation. A lot of times it's going to require a more holistic approach to life that not only takes away the pressure, but that also helps to keep it from building up again. And, you know, by holistic, we don't mean, you know, you slice an onion in half to catch all the bacteria in the room. Yeah. We, we mean like looking at your life as a whole, not the individual parts. But Right. Because looking at the parts will really screw you over. Like, for instance, if you're really focused on work. And you're like, oh, you know, work is, you know, super important and family's important and all these other things are important. It's like, well, how do those things interact? Because that's your prioritization. Right. And I had a conversation not too long ago about even within work, looking at the overall picture. And this is something that, so I had this conversation with a friend the other day and I was explaining that like as developers, we have to look at the very nitty gritty, like the details of an application. And, you know, something's not working. I have to get in there into the details and understand why it's not working. But also when we are building and designing our applications, we have to look at how that method is going to interact with the rest of the application, but also how our application is going to interact with the rest of the ecosystem. Right. And how it interacts with the entry points into that ecosystem as well. Right. And like what, what the, not just the user experience is, but how in the background it talks to other applications and other services within that ecosystem and how those interact and what does and does not need to be shared between them. Right. So it's almost like an analysis of what caused a cascading failure. Yes. And that's essentially what you're dealing with, with burnout. And that, yeah. that's why the holistic approach is as important as it is. It's not that you're burnout with work. It's, hey, you're burnt, you know, or at least it typically isn't just your burnout with work. It's um, your burnout with work. You are about to move. You know, you're, you're packing up one house, trying to buy another, trying to, you know, get all the stuff done. That's what I was doing when this was going on. And, you know, there's family stuff going on. There's all these other things, you know, all these moving parts. And it's not just the workload. It's all that. Oh, well, I mean, the worst for me, I was burnout from school, which was just as bad, worse than an 80 hour a week job. Yeah. On top of family issues going on. And then you throw on the divorce. Yep. And it just. And it, you had health stuff too. Right. It just like a bunch of things piling on and it ultimately ended with a complete reevaluation of the direction of my life and deciding, hey, I want to go in a different direction. Yeah. And, you know, mine didn't quite get to that level. Um, I've had jobs that have gotten me close. Like, I mean, I, I nearly quit software development um, in, what was that, 20, it was 2007? Yeah. yeah. 
like early 2007, um, I worked for a company that just, you know, they did not treat me well. Mm-hmm. I've had, I've had three or four of those experiences and now, you know, it's, it's changed my approach to risk because I'm like, Hey, I, I keep extra money in the bank and I'll just raise my middle finger and walk out the door. If somebody right. starts treating me like that now, now that I've reevaluated because it's not worth it. And I understand that I've gotten to that point in my life too. Thankfully I work for a place that doesn't treat me that yeah. way. And same here. Um, but you may need to reevaluate your life goals. Yeah. And I mean, you and I have done this over and we over have. again. Like we did it last year in the middle of the year. Yeah. Big major thing happened to me. My truck got stolen. Yep. And you and I went out to dinner. I think we went and got hot wings. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings and had a couple of beers. And I was like. And just hashed it out. Yeah. I was like, hey, I don't think I'm going to hit half my goals because they're not important anymore. I've got other things that are coming up. We need to reevaluate. And I was like, one thing we didn't talk about is how to do that. So that that is where, like, if anybody ever wonders where episodes come from. Yeah. Half the time, it's Will or I sitting at work and we come across something. We're like, ooh, this would make a great episode. Or somebody asks us a question. We're like, this would make a great episode. So, we write it down. The rest of the time, it comes from the two of us going, this is what's going on in our lives. Yeah. So, how do I fix it? And, yeah. oh, an episode could fall out of this. Mm-hmm. Usually, we figure that out after. Right. We've already you know, worked through the rest of it. You might also end up needing to take a leave of absence for a good while. Um, And this is more than a regular vacation. This is more like, hey, take three months and take a break. Or, you know, if you've got savings, quit the job you're working at and and legit just take some time off and live super cheap and stretch it out and actually get a break. Um, I've known several people that have done this. I don't do this very much. Uh, That's not my tendency. My tendency is to jump back in into a better situation quicker. But, you know, you may actually have to do this. It can be pretty hard to swing for a lot of us. Yeah. Especially if you're kind of living, you may not be living paycheck to paycheck, but you may be very close to that. Right. To where two or three paychecks. So you're living direct deposit to direct deposit. (laughs) (laughs) It's the way that that's put. It's like, yeah, I've got, you know, you might save like a hundred bucks every paycheck. Well, okay. What's your living expenses for the month? How long does it take you to get that? I mean, that can be kind of challenging. Well, it, it, you you could be living a month ahead, you know, or a couple of months where you've got a few months. You know, hey, if I if I lose my job, I've got a buffer, yeah, of a few months. I mean, but that doesn't mean that you can take off. Um, also, if you've got a family and stuff, like for me, it'd be real easy to live super cheap. Yeah, it'd be a lot more difficult for me. Right. Um, and the other thing too is with a with a family, if you take three months off, they start to kind of wonder what's going on, right? No. Um, and that, and that's you know I, like the people I've known that have done that have had a very hard time explaining that. Mm-hmm. Another thing is, as people tend to get burnt out, they tend to spend a lot more money than they normally would. Yeah, they eat out a lot. They they buy their <laughs> substance of choice. You know, they they wear out the pay per view on their TV. You know, they buy video game systems, surround sound system to play the video. You know, they've got all this stuff. Well, they, they, there's this attitude of, I'll just, you know, I'll spend money. I'll buy myself into happiness. Yeah. And honestly, I cannot say that I have not been there. It, it was not that long ago that the realization hit me. It was my ex-wife, actually, that when we were still together, she told me, because I was, you know, I was dealing with the burnout from school 
dealing with family issues, dealing with some health issues. And, you know, she was trying to cheer me up and, you know, bought me a motorcycle, bought me an Xbox, things like that. And it, it would make me happy for a little while. Yeah. And then I would just go right back to it. And, and then you've got the extra debt. And so you're more stuck. Yeah. And so she, she pointed it out. She was like, you know, this is not, you know, she's like, I, I want to keep buying you stuff because it makes you happy temporarily, but it's not making you happy. Right. Um, and that was kind of when it, it hit home for me. I'm like, you know, this, this idea of buying stuff doesn't help. Guys, burnout is an insidious and destructive force. Not only can it ruin your life and career, but it can do it because you're doing the right things. It requires a different set of strategies to deal with than many other problems that you might encounter during your work. That pretty much wraps us up. Before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? I have to relate an anecdote that I observed. I have an acquaintance who teaches self-defense, um, and he was pretty rough when he was younger. Uh, got into some trouble with the law, that kind of stuff. Uh, but now he teaches people how to avoid the kinds of problems that violence creates, especially the legal ones. Anyway, he was asked by a naive student how to escape being tied up when being kidnapped. And I thought his response was very interesting. His response was, start by not living the kind of lifestyle where being kidnapped and tied up is likely. He did offer some ideas after, but I thought this was a pretty profound, if entirely obvious thing that bears repeating. Don't spend more time thinking about how you're going to get out of a bad situation when it happens than you spent figuring out how not to get into the bad situation. The stuff we're talking about here in regards to burnout is a really good example of that. You are far better off setting up good habits that keep you from getting severe burnout than you are trying to fix it after it's already happened. It's much easier to avoid the damage that gets you into that state than it is to patch the burns and the wounds. That's all I've got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Look for us each week on Facebook Live before we record each episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.